Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Legends of the Spire. Uh, this week uh, we have Drew Talbot with us, uh, probably one of the most decorated players we have, um, definitely in recent history with uh, two league titles and uh, Johnston's paint trophy final win under his belt as well. Uh, it was really good to speak to Drew about the differences between John Sheridan era title winning teams and Paul Cook era title winning teams um, and also that cup run as well obviously a Wembley appearance is uh, always what everyone wants um, a bit like the Jamie Lowry episode last week Drew also suffered uh, with quite a few injuries and had to retire in the summer of 2019 uh, talking to him about those injuries it makes you realize how um, not just career-threatening, but life-threatening a lot of those injuries can be. So uh, we thank Drew for his honesty on those. Um, yeah, really popular player, 100 percenter. Everyone loved Drew Talbot, so it was a delight to speak to him. Hopefully that testimonial is still on the cards, and when we can get fans back in the stadium, uh, we can all give him a proper round of applause. Um, so, yeah, uh, all credit to Drew. Great chat, and here's the episode. I hope you enjoy it. You win the award for best backdrop so far. You're the first player. To oh yeah. I've been, I've been thrust into here, so. <laughs> <laughs> How many have you got? The three then, behind you. Now I've got uh, the Chef Wednesday one. All right. Yeah, yeah. I got um, that's the first one from Chesterfield. Then I got the uh, Johnson's pin. Yeah. And one on the Paul Cook, and then the Portsmouth one as well. Oh, nice. You like playing uh, blue? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. This conversation, I'll go me and, me and Charlotte and we say it's just weird. Uh, everything that I did in my career that was successful were blue, so. Anton <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rogers to take, saved again by Tommy Lee. And it's advantage Chesterfield once again. Going to beat Drew Talbot. And that is the game. The away side have won it. Finished 1-1 after normal time and Chesterfield win 6-5 on penalties. Like I say, I think football is a, you know, there's, there's a, a stereotype behind what type of people they are actually and I think a lot of footballers are not what people expect really. You know, it's just like you say, you see, I suppose, an arrogance to footballers and you have to be at that when you're playing because otherwise you'll just go by the wayside. But actually, you know, as soon as I walked off that white line, I was a, quiet kid and didn't say boo to a goose you know but when I crossed the white line I'm a different person I think like you say it's probably nice for people to, to get a different perspective really mm, yeah so if we if we start right at the beginning I always like to just get a bit of a perspective of you as a kid so as a young lad growing up in Barnsley like who were you supporting and who were your footballing heroes growing up well I, I just followed my dad really in my household even still now they're big Man United fans really um, I, I still follow Man United now I know um, I didn't really follow Barnsley it's really strange I, I played for them all the way from being a kid all the way to 16 whatever it was I think hmm. I never really followed them all my friends did but it just, I just, it just something just didn't really click um, yeah growing up I was you know massive massive Eric Cantona fan Um and then for whatever reason, I don't ask why, I, I took a massive shine to Henrik Larsson as well. I just loved the way he played. And actually, as we coincided with that, he actually broke his leg really bad. As I was a, 
a young lad. He probably was nothing like me, do you know what I mean, really? But it was just, there was just something about him that I just, and then obviously later on in his career, he actually went to Manchester United as well. So it was, uh, it, it was nice. Like I said, my dad bought me his book and I read it and how tough a time he had when he broke his leg coming back. It was really helpful to me to read, because I'm not a big reader really, but actually to read somebody at that level and how much he struggled and how I struggled, it was it was quite nice to be able to, to bat off that. So, Yeah. And, th- and then you ended up at Sheffield Wednesday, didn't you? Was, uh, that's kind of where you started your career, I suppose. Well, yeah, I, I was at Barnsley. I, you know, th- there was a lot being thrown at me at Barnsley. I was a young lad and I was doing well. Um, and like I said, I had two breaks in about eight months on my right leg. Um, and I, I just, I struggled a little bit mentally with it and I wasn't enjoying football. I I didn't enjoy that. I'd left school and, you know, there's this, you're going to go into football, it's going to be all brilliant. And actually, I, I didn't enjoy it at all. So I didn't play for about eight months. I, I ended up working in my uncle's factory for a while. My dad said, look, you need to do something. Go and try and find a team to play, enjoy your football. And I did. And I ended up playing for Doddeth Mine as well, for one of my old coaches. And I loved it. And then, I don't know how it happened, my dad had spoke to Mark Smith, who had me as a youth team player at Barnes, who was a Chef Wednesday youth team coach. He must have seen me scoring goals at Sunday league level, or I think it was Saturday league level. I said, you want to come? And I, said, I remember saying to my dad, I'm not bothered, got no interest. And he literally dragged me to the training ground. He threw me in the car. I was six, uh, yeah, nearly 17, threw me in the car and said, you're going. And he, he sat in the car park and waited for me. In case I'd come out. <laughs> but I had no, I had no interest. I wasn't bothered. But you know, I, I, I'm kind of glad I did because, as I look back on it now, I wouldn't have been a footballer for as long as I had if it wasn't for my dad and probably Mark Smith as well, really. So, and you think that was all down to those breaking your leg? Oh, I suppose it is. If you think that's how how kind of football's going to go from a young age, yeah, to see why yeah, you be wary of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a strange thing. Football. You know, like I say, I've had I had lots of injuries in my career, and it's just part and parcel of of football. You know, I was probably unfortunate. Really, I played a lot of games in periods in my career, and then I missed quite bits of periods. I I put that down to just the way I played. I was just I loved to tackle. I'd, I'd put my head where it hurt. You know, I think probably if I'd have took a notch off a little bit, I might have played a lot more games. But um, but yeah, like I say, you no, know, and and the fact that. My dad always believed that I'd play. You know, I think I was looking. Like as I say, you know, I owe a lot to people like that for putting faith in me at such a young age. Just actually, you're wasting a talent. So, and were you always up front? No, no. It bizarrely, really. I, I remember they'd always saying to me, my first ever game. I think I was seven, and I was training because you couldn't sign for nobody until you were nine years old. So I was seven and I went to train with the team, a local team, and I played right back then. Right. <laughs> it's bizarre, and I, but I never wanted to play right back. They just put me there and the guy said, look, we'd sign him, but he's too young, come back in a few years' time and we'll, we'll sign him up. But I just love scoring and assisting, so I enjoyed playing further forward. So realistically, I was always a winger. Um, I always think now, still, you watch wingers play now and they, they, they can play up front because it's kind of a similar position, really. Mm. But I wasn't a striker, no, not really. It was it was more Paul Sturrock at Chef Wednesday that said to me, you, you're a young lad, you're quick, I'm going to throw you on up front. And it kind of just revolved from there, really. Yeah, and then I suppose your big, the moment you'll be remembered for at, at Wednesday will be scoring in the League One playoff final, wasn't it? 2005. Yeah. yeah. What's your memories yeah. of that game? 
Yeah, I get that. I get asked a lot. You know, it, I remember up to the game. I remember the game up until I come on, and a lot of it is a massive, massive blur. Um, because you were a young lad, I, mem- I remember getting told the day, I think it was the day before. Yeah, I got. I remember we, we stayed at um, Celtic Manor, um, and I just thought I was going just as part as a travelling squad. Um, and he pulled me the night before and said, "Look, I'm going to put you on. You're young on the bench." He'd left out Adam Prowlock, who lads who were on probably a lot of money at the time and, and good footballs and proved themselves. And and I, and I remember ringing home, going, "I'm, I'm going to be in the squad." You know, I, I don't really know what to do. I, I was shocked by it all, really. Um, but yeah, you know, and then I think it was about 80-something minute. I come on and he whispers in my ear, Paul Sturrock, and says, I need you to win me the game. I remember it, and it, that's that's the last thing I remember about the game, really. I had to watch it back because, obviously, I, I got the penalty. That took it to 2-2, and then Glenn Whelan scored a great goal, and then... You know, I get asked about the goal and people say to me, well, why would you chase your own flick on? And I can't give an answer. I don't know why I would chase my own flick on, but I did. And, and the pitch was heavy, you know, and, and to score the goal and, you know, it's it's kind of surreal still now. I still watch it now every now and again just to give yourself a bit of a, light, a reminder. Um, it's one of the best things, you know, I, I've ever done. You know, not many people get to do something like that. Um, you know, it, it was it's really special. And it was like like last virtually last kick of the match, wasn't it as well? Like, I don't think yeah, it was, yeah, it was like perfect time to score, really, isn't it? He put the board up, yeah. And I remember the keeper, the keeper kicking it. I'm from watching it, and Richard won won the header, and it come down, and I went to flip the header. And anybody else with probably any sense would have just stood and waited, but I just chased after it, and I probably just got legs on the the centre half. Really, you know, I was a young lad, I could jump, and yeah. You know, and people said to me, why would you go around the goalkeeper in such a situation? I said, well, I don't, I don't know why. It was just something that I just felt that I had to do. And yeah, like I say, you know, it's there's not many things that would have ever topped something as, as, as good. I was only a young lad, I was only 18, literally 13 months previous, I was in a factory, mm. you know, so it was it was a big deal. Um, and one of the funniest things I remember driving home and the motorway was busy and the lads were doing the conga through the cars with the trophy. <laughs> but I just sat on the bus because I, I was a young lad and I didn't feel like I could get involved in that sort of stuff. And then I remember we pulled up at the services because we were hungry. So we were, the lads obviously been drinking and, and we went and they called it Burger King. And I went in and I saw my dad coming down the escalator. <laughs> and I've never seen my dad cry ever up to this time. And he just burst into tears. And it was like a weird embrace of... You know, I suppose two men really that don't really show the emotions. It was yeah. a, it was a big deal for everybody. Like you know, the most important people in my life were there, like to share it with you. It was great. Talbot is beyond the last man. He's going to bear down on goal. This would really wrap it up. Drew Talbot ran the goalkeeper. Yeah! Wednesday are promoted to the championship, and it's the teenager who guarantees championship football. What a dramatic end to a dramatic game. You were wearing the number 25 shirt then. So is there any significance over 25 or was that just what you were given at Wednesday and you kind of stuck with it? It was what I was given at Wednesday. I was given a choice when I was said, well, you're going to be in the first team, what number do you want? And I always loved number seven purely for Eric Cantona. Mm. So my thought process was, well, 
two and five, add up to seven. That's all I'm going to get given. I'm not going to be able to ask for number seven when I'm 18 years old. So, but it wasn't a significance of why it followed. Um, Cause when I went to Luton, I, I didn't have it. Um, and then when I come back to Chesterfield, it was available. And I thought, well, actually I, I'm going to try and ask for it. And, they, they tried to give me, I think it was 22 at the time. And I was like, no, oh, do you mind if I have 25? And I did. And, it, and it's just stuck. It's just something that there's no particular, like I say, any reason behind it. It's just something that I have. I actually have it on my car edge plate now as well. It was just <laughs> something that I, it just stuck, you know. And um, I don't know. It, there's, like I said, there's no specific reason behind it. It just, it just felt right at the time. Yeah. Some players like to put a little plus, don't they, in between the in between the numbers so yeah like, like i think just you know i probably wasn't smart enough to think about that to be honest but um, no yeah it was just you know, like i say I, I was looking at it actually i was at chesterfield for so long and then i had it at portsmouth as well and it, it was nice yeah and then if we go on to luton so you went to luton it was like two hundred and fifty thousand, wasn't it so it was a yeah yeah well that was it was because i've been out i had a stress response in the back was like a, a a lower stress, like start of a stress fracture in my back, just purely because I was growing. Um, I didn't play after the playoff final for a long time. Um, and then Brian Laws got the job, Paul Stewart got started, Brian Laws got the job, and I'd come back fit, and he'd said, look, I need you to go out on loan and play for me at Scunthorpe, which was his old team. Go and do what you can do, and we'll, we'll see where you're at. You're part of my plans. So I went to Scunthorpe. I think I scored one or two goals in a few games, and then the phone call come oh, we're selling you to Luton. And I was like, well, do I have to go? You know, it was one of those conversations. And they pretty much said, well, no, you don't have to go, but it's we, we, we're accepting a bid, which it signals you're probably not wanted where you are. So, yeah, we went down to Luton and, you know, the, the contract was good and everything. It was a massive shock because I was only a young lad and I had to move away from home. Um, but I loved my time down there. It was, it was great at Luton. I loved it. You scored on your scored on your debut, didn't you? Against Wednesday, wasn't it? I don't think it was my debut. I played in the FA Cup against Blackburn, and then it might have been actually. I'm not sure if it was a debut, but I did, yeah. And I, I got a little bit of stick because I celebrated right in front of the bench, <laughs> but it was nothing to do with Chef Wednesday. It was to do with probably Brian Laws. Hmm. And when you when you get sold, I suppose you're a young lad and you think, well, actually, I'm not wanted. I felt like I had a point to prove. I, went, I set one of the goals up and I scored the winning goal, yeah, and I ran 60 yards and slid straight in front of his face a little bit, which is probably out of order, really, but it was just more a, a point prover to myself. You know, somebody tells you, oh, we're going to sell you, you think, now, am I doing something wrong? What's going off, you know? And Yeah, it, it was nice. <laughs> yeah. And then and then last bit before we get to Chesterfield, was just, I have to mention the whole, um, the game against Liverpool and you get that whole ginger Maradona nickname uh, yeah that was that was that was a bizarre thing because we only drew one one but it was I, I played up front with a kid called calvin andrew who's still playing now and i still speak to him now and again he, and we got a good relationship together so we'd said well look I, it sounds ridiculous saying it but i said i'll go and play on sammy huppier because I, his legs are not going to be as quick as mine type thing. And you go and play on Jamie Carragher because you're a big lad. And, mm. and it just worked. It just, and after the game, Jamie Carragher and Sammy Upper both come to us and said, you know, it's a big, big thing really. He said, that's the hardest game we've had this season. And it was like a big deal for me. I was like, wow. You know, and I, I, I've still got the man of the match champagne from that game. I've not opened it yet. 
<laughs> I'd roast on it. I kept it and then I like stored it away. And when we moved into this house, we found it out and it's still, I don't know what, what, what year that was. It's probably 10 years old plus now, you know, but, but yeah, it was great. Oh, and in goes, uh, it's Ed. Whose is it? On goal or what? Or Ed, Ed Woods is claiming it. He's not it. convinced. No, he's not convinced, Matt. Look at him. You think he'd get up like that? Go on, Let's see how much Risa. And Luton have got what they deserved. No, Edwards. He would be running around this pitch doing laps of order. Risa on goal. Yet again, they don't cope in the wide areas here. And is that Talbot again? It really confuses him out there. It is. He's been absolutely damaging there. Look at Risa. No need to deal with it. In actual fact, Risa. Because the ball's past Edwards. Maybe someone coming in at the back, but I don't think they got there. And then from that game, bizarrely, they they tried to sell me, Luton. They accepted a bid from um, Brescia mm -hmm. in Italy. It was like deadline day, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really strange how it happened. Yeah, I got a phone call from their president and he was broken English and that and they said, Look, we're gonna accept a bit we've accepted a bid for you to go to Brescia. So I'm I'm thinking where has this come from? But it turns out Fabio Capello was at the game <laughs> and they wanted a, a, an English quarter of players, Brescia, like young lads to come through. And he'd seen me play in that game and he'd recommended and said, there's a young lad there. But it was literally, I'd spoke to the president of the, the club and it's, we had 12 hours to decide. And I was like, I said, that's, you know, bearing in mind, two years after they tried to sign me, they went bankrupt, you know? So when I look back on it, I thought, actually, even though I wish it had gone because the experience would have been unbelievable, but possibly footballing wise and everything else, it probably would have a good decision not to go in the time. But um, yeah, it's amazing how one game can just, you know, yeah. one person's opinion. And, you know, it was all a bit of a surreal time, really. And then if we go on to your move to Chesterfield, so it was, uh, Lee Richardson wasn't it in, in charge at the time so how did that all come about because you came in on loan didn't you first off yeah because I'd not I'd done my cruciate I'd played um, I got back in the team at Luton because we had a few managers changing a bit of like administration things happening and um, I got back in the team and just randomly I'd gone to chase the ball down because it was an offside we were losing against Cheltenham and I just jumped as I jumped to Landers and my knee just exploded. It went all over the place. And so I've been out for a long time. I trained hard really all summer. I got back fit and I wasn't really getting a chance. So I'd spoke to Alan Goodall, who was at Luton with me. And he was at Chesterfield. And I said, look, I'm trying to get some games. Any chance of me speaking to a manager up there? Because Chesterfield obviously was localish to where I was from. And literally he spoke to the manager the day after. And I got a phone call saying from the man... Um, Little manager saying, Chesterfield want to take you on loan. We're quite happy for you to go and get games. We want you to come back, but go and play games. So within space of three or four days of a suggestion to Goody at the time, I ended up signing. And yeah, it was great under Lee Richardson. I loved it. You know, it was, I was, I was happy to be home. I think that was probably a big thing. I, I was a young lad. I'd been away. I didn't live in Luton. I lived in Peterborough because my sister lives there. So I travelled a lot. There was a, you know, bad injuries. I just wanted to be at home and settled. I moved back in with mum and dad and enjoyed it. Um, and we just missed out on the playoffs, really. It was frustrating, really, because probably we 
probably should have done better than we actually did. But um, but yeah, I loved it, you know. And, and typically, he, he got the sack at the end of the season, which so I had to go back to Luton at the time, and I just cracked on down there. And then the phone call comes from. Um, it's really because we, we were playing a Manchester United eleven, and Mick Arthur was a manager at Luton. He pulled me down and said, "I need to speak to you before the game." They'd said, "Look." contract that you're on's good. We're going to struggle because of administration. We're going to offer you a new contract, but spread your money out a little bit. And I was like, look, not a problem. I'm I'm happy here. And I got a phone call as I left that meeting from John Sheridan. So I drove home to Peterborough and I rang McArthur and said, look, Chesterfield have rang me. They want me back. And he just pretty much said, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it was literally that. Com- there was no... No, please, want you to stay. It was a case of, look, if that's what you want, I could tell you were a bit hesitant in signing this contract that we'd offered you. And that was it. And I, and I took a big, big, big pay cut to come back because I wanted, I loved it. I just loved my time at Chesterfield and I felt like it was the right place for me at the right time. Yeah, and, and you were fortunate, really, in that you were one of the players that got to play at the old stadium and the new one. And even more than that, you played in the last match. And you played in the first match at the new stadium. So, yeah, amazing, really. well, I'd played, I'd played against Chesterfield for Luton. I think it was around Chris, uh, January um, before. It was the first time I played there. And uh, I love the old grounds. I still do now. I think there's a feel about them that, you know, these new grounds are amazing, but they're a bit plastic and they're a bit false and there's empty seats and stuff. It was, I remember playing there and enjoying it. Yeah, and I loved it. It was great. I could say it was. You know, I don't think it's been disrespectful. It was run down. The changing rooms weren't great, but it was a proper feeling of a, a football football ground. Yeah, and like you say, I was fortunate. Well, I was fortunate to play in the last game, but I was credited to be an own goal, which I still debate to this day. Like, but um, it just come off the top of my head. Um, and then you yeah, had to play the first game at the new ground as well. It was it was a great transfer. Really, it was it was nice. And a lot of players um, that we've spoken to always mention. That at the old ground, because of the wooden benches in the main stand, you could kind of hear people. You could hear the stadium filling up when you were sat yeah. in the sat in the changing rooms. Is that? Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, you could. Yeah, it was. It was strange because it, I don't know what time. Think what time it was. We used to go out for warm ups about ten past two, I think it was, and you could start to hear it just as you were going out, and you come out and it was empty. As you went in, the manager was doing the team talks. And we'd have to like shut the sliding door because you could hear the echo coming through. It was, it was, it was good. Like I say, I, I love the old grounds. It, the atmospheres that you get, and you know, it probably was good for Chesterfield to move. You know, they probably needed to move and, and get the stadium because the stadium they've got now is, is amazing. But um, but yeah, and I was, I cast myself as really fortunate to have played at Saltergate. It was, you know, I think a lot of people at Chesterfield support Chesterfield all that ground here, and it was, it was nice that I actually managed to spend some time there. So. Yeah, and you actually scored in your second appearance for us, I think, against Notts County. I was watching the, YouTube the other day. It was a good, good goal. It was, a, it was a volley, yeah. I remember after the game, I think their manager was Ian McPartland, I think he was a Scottish guy. And he said, and I'd heard him say it because I was doing my interview not far from him, and he'd said, well, yeah, no, the kid scored the goal. It could have gone anywhere. So in my interview, I said, oh, I just said, the manager said it couldn't go anywhere, but it didn't. It went straight in the top bins and we won the game. And he heard it and he was not happy. Like, you know, And I wasn't really a controversial kid, but I just thought it was a bit disrespectful that you dissed the goal. It didn't just go anywhere. It went straight in the top bins, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, 
But yeah, it was. It, I remember scoring the goal. Yeah, it was a nice feeling to get off the mark really because I'd put myself under a bit of pressure to to come and do well and and to get off the mark so early. It was it was nice. Yeah, and then and then that first uh, season at the new ground under Sheridan, obviously ripped the league apart that that year. And I think you only missed a couple of league games. You were pretty much ever present. It was an amazing yeah. season, wasn't it that year? Oh yeah, it was. I think I missed one of the games. I think because I. I think I broke my nose and I don't think I could play. And I think that was the 5-5 draw that I missed. And I wasn't happy that I wasn't able to play. You know, I was, but my nose was a bit messed. It still is now, but it was still a bit messed up at the time. But um, but yeah, that, that, that season, it was... I wouldn't say playing the season in football is necessarily fun because it's hard work, but that season was fun. I enjoyed that season. It was, it was good that... The group of lads that we had, a good mixture of old lads and young lads. The management staff were good. The new stadium just helped everything. It was it was a, it was a good time to be at Chesterfield then, and I really enjoyed that season. And I think when we had Dwayne Mattis on, uh, I think he was saying that was it you and him and Jack Hunt were in a bit of a a carpool that, that season. Yeah, so I, yeah, so Dwayne lived Huddersfield. I think Jack lived like in Roswell and Leeds, and I lived. At, at, Woolly just off Junction 39 and so we used to meet at the old post office it's like a pub off the motorway mm. um, yeah some of those car journeys were, were funny um, because we used, to, we used to give his days off John Sheridan used to say you can have a couple of Mon- Monday Tuesdays off if you're winning games and stuff but um, you know when, when you're winning games you, you tend to go out at the weekend and stuff so some of those car journeys were sometimes quite adventurous yeah <laughs> which, which games in that league winning season were your favourites, the ones that stand out? There's obviously some of the obvious ones, but I wonder if there's yeah, the, one that stuck out in your mind. The Rotherham game, you know, which was... I watched that when it was streamed during lockdown. It was... Yeah, that was a bit surreal, really, because they made a bit, bit of noise, really, that they were going to come in and didn't think that we were as good as we were. And, you know, we kind of nipped that in the bud straight away. And then I think we got beat by Morecambe not long afterwards. And then we played Wickham, who was up there as well. And I remember the Wickham game... I felt that was it. Kind of rem- the marking game loss was probably just what we needed. Really, we were probably getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Beating Rotherham, it was comfortable, and then we got. I think it was two 0 We got beat, and I remember getting booed off. I remember get, coming off and thinking, "I'm confused as to why we're getting booed," <laughs> but it wasn't good. And we watched it back, and we were like, "Well, that's why." And then we played Wickham, I think, on the, one of the Tuesday nights, and we beat Wickham three or four one. I think it was. Yeah, and it was. Yeah. It, we kind of just. I think we we all walked in afterwards and went, right, that's the level that we need to be at to finish this season, you know. And I think from that point on, we you know, we stretched out, I think it was 16 or 18 points clear at one point. And, you know, we, we made it closer than it should have been. You know, Bury, fair play to them, they come right onto us tails. But, um, but yeah, and then the last game of the season, the, uh, it was Gillingham. And I think we went 1-0 down. You could kind of feel a bit nervous. And then all of a sudden, we just got the goals and it just... It just turned into a bit of a procession. It was brilliant. That relief of knowing that you'd done it. Because being promoted is fine, but to be the champions is exactly what, you know, I think a lot of people will say, well, we got promoted, but you can never take away a champion. And it was, I think it was important for us to actually win that. So, yeah, I enjoyed the Bury game. Bizarrely, the ball that we got beat by Bury when it all went a bit wrong with people running on the pitch and stuff. I enjoyed that game, even though we got beat. It was a good game to play. And I remember thinking, even though we've lost and, but we now think they're going to catch us. We had too much in the locker for them, really. I think I kind of felt 
it would have hours to throw away, really. Yeah, definitely. That that Wickham game, I remember, because I think it put us like nine points clear at the time or something like that. Yeah. It felt like that was the game when we I thought we were going to win the league. Well, I never, I don't think I've ever, ever had an easy game against Wickham. Wickham are a tough team to play against, but that game, thankfully, was one of the easier ones and it just... Just, I think it just gave everyone that little bit of we're going to be all right. I think we felt it. I remember walking in, and I don't think there was much said after the game, really. It was just a few high fives, and it were like, right, let's just move on with we know where we need to be now and what we've got to do. So, Chesterfield put a mixed February behind them with a fine win over second placed Wickham. Danny Whitaker and Dean Smalley combined for the first. The second half was in its infancy when Leicester scored a fine solo effort. John Paul Pittman's decisive finish with 10 minutes left was no more than consolation. A determined Bowden set up Davis, who made no mistake this time. 4-1 the final score. And yeah, I mean, Sheridan is, John Sheridan is a bit of a, uh, I don't know, he's, from watching him from the stands, he looks like, um, he's obviously always barking and, and shouting, always looks a bit angry. Um, mm. I'm guessing there's got to be a lighter side to him <laughs> when you're training, but I'm wondering what your relationship was like with him just off the pitch. Yeah, well, yeah, I we, to be fair, he was brilliant with me, like, for a, for a long, long time, you know. Um, he... he he was intense. He just he wanted to win. I think that's what it was, and his way was his way of showing it. Sometimes was to shout and, and not in a in a mean way, but just to have a go at the players and and belittle them a little bit and say, oh, you know. And it, but but the lads loved him. We responded from him. You know, it was that like I said that season we got promoted. We trained on the pitch a lot. The pitch was amazing all year, and we trained on the pitch a lot. And I think that massively helped us because. The training ground was going through a little bit of change and stuff, and um, yeah, he, you know, he, I think he changed when I had him later on. He, he probably changed a little bit, he, he might have mellowed a little bit, which probably didn't work for him at, at Chesterfield this time. Um, but my relationship with him was was brilliant, you know, he was he was good to me, you know, he to be fair, he, he put me back to right back, you know. I remember the game Lincoln away, I think Simon Ford had got injured. So Dean Oldham went in to centre half and he, he looked at me and I remember looking at him back saying, nah, don't even think about it. He went, I need to fill in. Uh, I was like, all right, okay. And I never looked back. I loved it. I just remember thinking, I can do this. I can, you know, I didn't, I was probably defensively for three or four years, not 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 very good, but just trying to adjust to it because I was not used to being so far back. But uh, I loved playing fullback. It was probably a master stroke on him. He probably counts himself, I'd be like, I may do a right back, but actually... We were forced into it, really, but um, I'm glad that it happened when it did. Yeah, and obviously under under Sheridan, I mean, fullbacks you didn't really do too much defending, did you? Well, at home, at home, maybe you didn't. <laughs> well, no, we didn't know that was a thing. We didn't know. To be honest with you, that season we were probably makeshift at the back. Really, there was I played there, Dwayne Matters playing centre half. The Rotherham game, I think it was me, me, Dwayne. Um, Gregor Robertson played centre half and Scott Griffiths. So it was like a not makeshift, but it was just lads filling in that place, you know. So it just goes to show the strength that we had going further forward that, you know, even if we did concede goals, 
we just went, well, we'll just go and score one more than you type thing. Um, that's why it was fun because there was the games where there was the big scoring games and we felt like we were always going to score. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. And the, the season after obviously didn't really go to plan. Um, no. When we were talking to Dwayne Mattis, he was saying that as a squad, you kind of felt like you went into that season with a weaker squad than you had in, in, in League Two. Yeah, I think so. We, we didn't really strengthen. You know, really, we cause we saw Craig Davis as well, didn't we? We lost Craig Davis and Dean Smalley went back as well. Um, there was a lot of goals there, like, and lads... You know, we, Like I said, the lads, the relationship between the lads was so good that we lost probably two or three lads and it was... I think we knew it was going to be tough. You know, probably not as tough as what it turned out to be. You know, it wasn't great, but... Um, yeah, I probably I would wouldn't disagree. It was we, we probably went in thinking we, it's going to be a fight the whole season, and if we do stay up, it's going to be good because I don't think we expected it was it was tough to be, to be involved in that was quite tough. You know, I, I think he made me the captain some part of that season, and it wasn't enjoyable. You know, I, I, you know, an honour to be a captain is huge, and to have to do the interviews and talk about losing it was it was a good. Good growing up experience for me, but you know it, it probably wasn't the experience that we all wanted at the time. Yeah. And what kind of captain were you? Were you a were you a come on lads, Harry Kane? The, 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 no, you know what? I was. You know, I, I got a lot of lads. You, you probably speak to some of them. And I didn't say boo to a goose. I I, I did on the pitch, um, but I wasn't really that vocal. I just. I tried to be a captain as how I played, really. So it was a case of, if you need a bit of inspiration, look how I'm playing and and follow that kind of motto. You know, I, I didn't really do team talks and stuff. I, I I never felt the need to do that. You know, thing is, when I made the captain, there was Jack Lester and Mark Haller, and I was like, I can't captain these guys. You know what I mean? But it was a case of, if you if you feel like you need a bit of inspiration, just watch how I'm probably playing that's how I tried to play as a captain follow way that I'm trying to go about things and where I trained as well yeah. you know I many many a times I've been pulled out of training because I was training too hard like I trained how I played and if you didn't like it I'd let you know about it as well you know so it was <laughs> I was just so intense I enjoyed competitiveness you know that's probably one thing that I miss now really in not playing no more is not necessarily football but being competitive me one man against another man or and how you're going to stand up against me type thing so yeah. I've got to say that that a, a lot of players when they come back from injury you kind of as a fan you watch them kind of easing themselves back into the into the game a bit whereas for you you were never like that it'd be like lung busting run after a couple of minutes fling yourself into a tackle and it'd be like yeah. you've not been out yeah, I'd done that in. I'd probably done that in training for two or three weeks previous. To that. Like I say, I got pulled out many times. My manager said, "Well, you can't. You can, you're training too hard. You can't do that." And I was like, "Well, if I can't switch it on and off, mm. I can't." Like some people can, they they train rubbish and they're brilliant on a Saturday. Or some lads train hard and then Saturday comes and they don't really perform to where they should. But I, I was just full on the whole time. So I'd probably train two or three. I would never have gone into a game. I think later on in my career I did, but I would never go into a game when I was younger knowing that I couldn't play to my maximum. I wouldn't have been able to do that. Because you're probably just cheating yourself, thinking, well, if I'm only 50 60%, there's no point playing doing that. You might as well not bother and let somebody else go and do it for you. So, yeah. 
And then uh, the, the one highlight of the relegation season was obviously the paid trophy final, which we uh, beat Swindon. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of another, yeah. another, another win at a national stadium for you, which is quite nice. Yeah, like I say, it was probably a bit of sweet, really, because we'd, you know, I don't think we intentionally went to win that tournament. It was just the season revolved into that. And I remember a conversation thinking, well, why can't we take that form into the league? And I think if we did, if we knew, we'd have probably tried to turn it round. But yeah, that was amazing. That was such an experience. We went, I think, two or three days before to look at the ground. And I still got the video on my phone now, and it's Wembley Empty is such a surreal place. It, it, it looks massive, it, it like dauntingly big. And then obviously the crowd was good and we played and I don't think we were expected to win that game really. I think, you know, De Canio had said a few things and Swindon were a very good team at the time. Um, and to come away with a win, you know, it's it, it's amazing really to, to, to play at Wembley. Not, not a lot of top, top, International football, the Premier League footballers play at Wembley, and and to to have been there, I'm not lucky enough to have been there twice. Sadly, once I lost, but to to win as well, it was it's very special. Yeah, that was amazing that day. The only the only gripe I'd have with that is that when we got our tickets on the day, we were in the shade, and and everyone else on the other side of the stadium was in the sunshine, and we were freezing cold in the shade. But I remember that day, I played the first half in the sunshine and I remember thinking to myself, I can't wait to the second half so I can get in the shade because it was really warm. Because <laughs> the pitch is so draining. It's it's big and it's... The pitch looks lovely at Wembley all the time, but actually it's, it sounds ridiculous to say, but it's not the best pitch. It's quite spongy and soft and the grass is long and it, it, it was tough. I remember thinking after that game, wow, like I'm tired. My, my legs and the, obviously... The, when Wesley scored the goal, it was the best fit. There's just a massive weight lifted off your shoulders thinking that we've done it and I can kind of chill out now and enjoy the last five minutes. So, yeah. That's Thompson's head. Is that a high boot from Bowden? Play goes on and Westcar is through. He's got his second one-on-one opportunity. This time, no mistake. Chesterfield have won the Johnston's Pence Trophy. And um, and then going on to when Paul Cook took over, um, I just wondered what his first training session was like, because obviously he was a he came in and he was like oh, a massive character when he came in. So I'm wondering what that first training session was like. If he did anything a bit different, well, we played Accrington a few weeks before and we beat them four three. Hmm. And how we beat them, I don't know. They they played it off the park. They were brilliant. And I remember. I, Saying, well, we got away with that one type thing. We've got away with a win there. And then when he come in, obviously I'd, I didn't know who he was or I'd not heard of him. And the first training session was just games. And he, I remember him just saying, just play exactly how you'd normally play. I want to assess you from the outside. I don't need to try and do anything different than you would do. And that was it, you know, really. I think probably when he come in, I think he come in about October time, I think it was, maybe a bit late November time. And he, he probably just tried to, I don't know what he tried to do. He, he, he probably didn't want to change much. I think he just thought, I need, I need, I'm going to need a bit more time to actually assemble a squad over time and get to where I want to be. But, um, but yeah, he was super intense. You know, like, 
the expectation that he put on you. Well, actually, he put on you, but he actually he'd, he'd ask you about that. He'd say, you know, I'm gonna. This is what I want from you. Can you do it or not? Type thing. I remember before the first game that he he managed, he pulled me and Nathan Smith into the office, and he he slid two pieces of paper to us on on face down underneath. He said, look at him. For me, both me and Smudge looked at the thing, and it, there was questions on it. And he said, don't answer him, answer him. And so we, we read them and looked back at him and he said, can you do that? And me and both, much like, we're like, yeah, yeah. He went, right, get out. He said, if you don't do that, you'll not play for me. And it was brilliant that like, a, oh, he's trusting me to do this. I said, I can do it type thing. And, you know, I, I never looked back really. You know, I, I love playing under him. It was, like I say, hard work. You know, his training sessions, his, some of his running sessions were not very nice, but it was... Some of the football was just brilliant. I, I think he probably took me to the next level of, of a footballer, really. And I'd, I'd probably come from being a, a good footballer to being, I felt in myself that I'd, I'd gone up a level for sure. Yeah. And what was he like on the touchline? Because I think he's just, he's just shouting pass, <laughs> pass and press yeah, all the time. Yeah, he did. He, he used to go crazy sometimes if he crossed the ball. He'd, you know, he'd just say start again, you know, and that's what he was enjoyable. He, he probably need, he knew he what he wanted and how he wanted to play, but he probably needed a bit of time to assemble certain players to be able to play the way he wanted, you know, and I think that showed over time that when he did assemble the squad that he wanted, the success that he, he had, and he's done that at most clubs that he's gone to. Yeah. I wanted to mention um, Lewis Boamorte because he, he came in at the time and it was a bit of a surprise and kind of something that just happened out of nowhere. Um, yeah, he was, a, he was a lovely bloke, really lovely bloke. Yeah, you know, he, obviously I'd watched him play, you know, in the Premier League and things like that. Um, yeah, he was, it was a bit surreal, you know, to to have him. He was a, a fit bloke, you know, he was a very, you could tell he was a very, very good footballer. He probably just, he didn't get much, he didn't really play loads of games and, and probably do what he wanted to do. But um, yeah, I'm not really sure where that one had come from really. But um, it was obviously a pleasure to be with him in the changing rooms. He was a great guy. Yeah, and then um, uh, kind of title-winning season then under Cook, so that's like 2013-14, isn't it? You played yeah. kind of the first half of the season, didn't you, I think, and then kind of... Yeah, I had, yeah I had the really bad groin injury. Yeah, I'd played, I played for a long time not feeling 100%, really. Um, all my midriff was really sore. Um, but the football we played was just... It was so enjoyable to be in, but it, again, it was you had to be a level of fitness, or you, you couldn't play in that team. Even though we had the ball probably seventy five percent of the time, it just demanded so much of you. Um, but yeah, you know, I struggled, really struggled with a, a groin injury that it took a long time to diagnose. Really, I'd seen lots of different surgeons, I'd had a couple of operations, and they'd, they'd all missed it. Um, thankfully, you know, I remember coming back the season after um, and I come in early because all my, all my lower abdomen was like bruised and it was jam, the physio, Jamie Hewitt. And he said, what, what have you done? And I said, oh, I've just been out for a run. And I said, I've done nothing. I said, but I, I can't sit up. So I kind of come off it a little bit and luckily I got put in touch with a surgeon that actually had found out. He, he said that what had happened is my, both my doctors had, sounds a bit gruesome, but had ripped off the bone. And then they started to reattach. So technically, I was constantly ripping them, like uh, fibres from the, the the pelvis. And I was like, so he, 
he said, look, I can do an operation. I'm going to re-anchor them into your pelvis. I, I don't know if it's going to work or not. That was it. So I was thinking, oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to play again. Luckily, it took me a while to get back, but luckily I got back. You know, I was, you know, to be told that you might never play football again at that time. And this operation has only been done once before. There's a big case study on it in America that so he rang me, his secretary rang me, Mr. It was Mr. Shilders, it was at Bradford. And he said, Can I do a case study on you? Because it's it's not heard of before. So I've got, I think it's 10, 10 nice aluminium anchors in my pelvis, which is <laughs> obviously sounds ridiculous, but mm-hmm. he, he saved my career. You know, it was amazing, really. Did that give you a like a newfound lease of life then when you could start playing again? It took me a while to, to get back mentally thinking, oh, I wasn't, I was never ever would have, would have gone into a football game or training session scared of anything like physically. But hmm. I remember one, I think it was, I was meant to be playing in my first reserve game against Sheffield Wednesday and I trained the day before and I went to block across and I felt a massive pain straight in my groin. This is after my operation. So I remember going into the changing room full of tears, like saying to Jam, oh, it's gone again. My groin's pulled out. I can feel it. So I went for a scan. All it was, scar tissue broke down. And it it actually helped. And so I, we gave it a couple more weeks. Um, and I got back into reserve games and playing and I felt brilliant. But that's when frustration started because I was fit and I was ready to play. The lads were doing brilliant. So I never expected to walk back in the table. I would never have done that. But I was thinking, I'm not getting enough game time I need I need to play reserve games are, are not the level that I need to be at and they weren't doing enough for me physically you know they were sounds really bad but they were easy the reserve games were young lads playing and it was it was doing nothing for me did you enjoy the the championship season under Sheridan more than the more than the cook one then uh, I'd say the football was better under Paul Cook Football, some of the football we played was brilliant. It's just it's a good question because I think I probably it was more fun playing the first season we got promoted because of the pressure we probably had at the new stadium and everybody wanted to come and take a shot at us really at the new stadium because it was nice. Um, they're both they're both brilliant in different ways really. And, you know, like I said, the first one obviously it was more fun. It was just it just. I was a young lad and it was just good and it, enjoyment. Every day training was a good crack, you know, whereas Paul Cooks, it was more, this is where we need to be at, training to this level and we'll be successful. And that's exactly what happened. And I actually, when I look back on it, I preferred that, that there was more structure to my week of, we didn't have Mondays off. You know, it was, you didn't have days off. You trained really hard on a Tuesday, whereas under John Sheridan, he probably took a notch off and it worked, you know, because he knew how... I think both men were different in the management. They knew how to get the best out of the players in a completely different way. Promoted Chesterford will go up as champions with a win over fourth place Fleetwood. Beautifully done from O'Shea. He delivers the cross and the finish is provided by Sam Hurt. They are back on terms early in this second half. Chesterfield just at the moment. And they find a way through the mass ranks of the defence. Oh, they certainly can. It's Gary Roberts who's done it. Two goals in four minutes for Chesterfield to turn it around. And they are heading for the League Two title as it stands. 
And you obviously uh, you obviously did all right under them because Sheridan uh, took you to Plymouth <laughs> when he yeah. was there, and, and Cook took you to Portsmouth. So. Yeah, I absolutely loved my time at Plymouth. Really, I, I knew it. I wanted to play, so I because I, I knew I was fit and I was ready to play. I just wanted to go and play football, and I'd obviously played under John Sheridan before. We went to, we, we did really well. We'd gone from I think it was tenth to like six when I was there, and we'd not lost many games. Um, even though I was away from home and my wife and children were up here, it, because I was alone, I knew that it probably wouldn't be forever type thing. So I enjoyed it. Um, I remember getting a phone call. We was on the way to Dagenham. We was in Bristol. We trained at Bristol. And we'd left some lads had left the car. And was on that, that to Dagenham, and I got a phone call from um, Liam Richardson on my phone. I didn't answer it. I thought, oh no, because I was enjoying my football so much. I thought, I've not. To be fair, you know, for whatever reason, nobody spoke to me from Chesterfield at the time. I wasn't bothered. I just wanted to go and switch off from what was happening. And, mm. and I thought, oh, I'll leave it. And then Peter, I was sat with Peter Hartley on the bus, and it rang again. And he was like, "Mate, you're gonna have to answer the phone." <laughs> so, I answered, so I answered the phone, and he said, "To it's Liam." He said, "Where are you?" I said, "Oh, I'm, I've just left Bristol now to services where the cars are." We're playing Dagenham tomorrow night. Get off the bus. Get in the car, get off the bus. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I was completely took back. I said, we're recalling you. I didn't realise there was a 24-hour recall in my loan. So uh, I went down to John Sheridan, obviously, and said, oh, look, I've had a phone call from him, Richardson. He didn't know anything about it. So he went crazy. He rang the chairman of Plymouth saying, you've got to tell him no, blah, blah, blah. And he's in there a chance we stopped stopped on the side of the motorway because obviously I, I needed to get off the bus, you know, type thing. And he rang the chairman. The chairman at the time said, "Look, we we can't keep him. He's he's got a twenty four hour recall. He's going to have to go back." So I'm I'm stood there going, "How how do I get back to Plymouth to get my car and and get home?" So I drove one of the lads' cars back to Plymouth. <laughs> literally packed my car up and I drove home on the Monday. And then I played, and he pulled me in the office, Paul Cook, when I got there on the Tuesday and said, how are you feeling? And I said, oh, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm tired because I've just driven six hours in the car. Yesterday, I'm still a bit thin. He said, can you play tonight? And I was like, well, yeah, I'm ready to go. So he said, I'm playing your left back. And I've been playing centre mid at Plymouth, and I thought, why left back? He'd got Dan Jones and he'd got Rich Humphreys. And I was like, well, all right, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? Type thing. I went, we... Thankfully, I think we, I don't know if we won 3 0, I think it was against Gillingham and we scored early. And I just thought, thank God for that, you know, because my legs were tired and I just thought it was, it was not an easy game, but it was an easy Oza game, really. Um, but my time at Plymouth was brilliant, really good, enjoyed it, met some great lads down there, lads that have gone on to do good things. It was probably just what I needed. Mm. Um, sadly, because of my groin injury that I had. I had hamstring problems ever since after that. And we played Colchester and I tore my hamstring for the first time and it tore bad as well. And, you know, it was probably really disappointing because the form that I was in, you know, I felt like it's probably the best I've been in for a long time. Um, and then I was on the bench, I think it was for the first leg of the semi-final of the playoffs. And I really shouldn't have been on the bench. I was, if you'd have asked me to go and I wouldn't have been able to go and play. But he said, I want you to be involved. And then I, I remember going in before the second leg saying, Gaffer, look, you've you got to leave me out. I, I, I can't play. You know, for 
it took a lot for me to go and say that because I wanted to be involved, but you know, I, I'd have done myself injustice and the lads injustice if I had to come on after 15 minutes and then come back off again with another toe hamstring. So yeah. it, it was what it was like. Was there ever anywhere that you didn't play on the pitch? Because you obviously played right back, left back, centre midfield, right wing, probably left wing, guessing you played up front. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't probably, just, probably, probably just in the nets. Yeah, I don't think I ever played in the nets. I played... I don't think I played centre half as such. I played in the back three before. Yeah, I probably played everywhere really. No, I just I just felt like it was. Some people always say, "Oh, well, you know, it's, I don't know if it, it, it's good to be so versatile." Or I enjoyed it. I loved it. Me, I just thought it was brilliant that I could go in any position and give everything that I got. And if it was good enough, great. If it wasn't, I still there still was hundred percent effort there. You know, I. I enjoyed the fact that I could play on both sides. Of, I probably enjoy, if anything, when I look back on my career, I probably enjoyed playing left back more than I did right back. Just it just seemed to work later on. I got and you know I think it'd be adaptable. I think a lot of players are a bit well. Right footers can't play on this side. Well, keep with your left foot then instead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Come adaptable to that. You know. Um, yeah, like I say, I, I enjoyed the fact that I played everywhere. It was a good experience wherever I played. Yeah, and then. Uh... And then, yeah, so, and then obviously you went to um, Portsmouth, didn't you? So you had a um, reunited with Cook uh, in Portsmouth. Yeah. And absolutely, you, you kind of half answered it with Plymouth, but um, I was just wondering what how what the homesick was, homesickness was like. Um, yeah, sure. Going all that way, because it's a long way, isn't it, from, from Yeah, yeah it, was, it was really bad, yeah. I, I started to see it off the season really well, and then I had another hamstring issue, and it kind of kept me out, and, I've ne- you know, I'm not really a home bird. I don't really need to be at home, you know. But the fact that I'm away from my family, I didn't realise how much it effect- affected me over the time, really. And I really didn't, not not perform. I just wasn't fully there. Like, you know, I, I was more concentrated, so looking forward to going home every weekend or Charlotte and the kids coming down and things. So it probably affected me, really. You know, I loved it down there. Portsmouth is such an unbelievable place. The club's amazing. You know, I, everything about it was super. It just, it just didn't fit at the fact that I was so, probably so homesick. You know, I probably didn't perform to the level that I probably should have done, and mm. I'm probably disappointed really when I look back on it for that reason. But it's just one of those things that I probably were out of my control, really. Yeah, and then, uh, and then you end up coming back to Chesterfield again, don't you? <laughs> you just uh, um, yeah, return again. Did you, did you think you'd yeah, have a chance to come back again? Yeah, Jack rang me. I, I was in a snooker hall with a couple of lads and he rang me and said, look, you know, from what I can gather, you're not enjoying yourself down there. Do you want to come back? And I was like, yeah. It was not even like a question. To even play for Jack was just amazing. You know, I'd played with him and to play under him. And I was like, yeah, let's just do it. I went. I remember going to see the Portsmouth manager and, and whatnot. And within a few days, you know, we'd organised my release. And I couldn't sign for Chesterfield until January. Um, but I trained for a few weeks before. Um yeah, it was it was good to be back. You know, I come back and it was a case of I wasn't sure what I was coming back to because I think the club was a little bit different, you know, from where I'd left it really. Um, but I was there to help and do everything that I could. Yeah, and then I, su- I suppose then we're we're into this like hit starting this period of decline. I, su- I suppose, um, and I just wondered what the atmosphere was like. From the playing side, because obviously it got a bit, it got a bit rotten from the the fan side, and um, it's really hard to turn a ship round, isn't it? When it's when you just kind of get on a bit of a streak. 
Yeah, it was tough because when I remember coming back and I think we played Accrington my first game and we got beat 4-0, I think it was, 4-1, 4-0. But I remember ringing my wife and saying, we'll be all right. I just felt that we played really well. We just considered some really sloppy goals. And then we played Luton, you know, we're top of the league and we beat them at home. And I thought, you know, we're going to be all right. And it just never really, the board just never got going. You know, we, we'd win a couple and then we'd lose so many. And then, I don't know, it was it was tough. It, was, it wasn't it was enjoyable. You know, like being relegated is one of the worst things a footballer. But it, it just, as you say, the atmosphere around the place, probably from the fans, which, you know, they were well in the rights to, to vent their anger. And then probably the chairman saying things and not turning up to games. It just, it was probably a bad time to be at the club, really. Um, and I felt that I, I could come home and try and lift people and, and help out. But it just wasn't to be like, you know what I mean? And ultimately, you know, you get relegated and it just because you weren't good enough. And you, you can think, well, you're too good to go down. Well, that's not the case because you got relegated at the end of the day. You know, you probably didn't perform over the whole season. So it was really disappointing. It was, I didn't take it that well. It was, it was quite tough. Yeah. And what was it like in the, in the dressing room round then to, to kind of, if things are happening at boardroom level and with atmosphere with fans and things, to kind of whispers start going. Can you still really remain that focused on training and stuff? You, and so you, you, kind of, you kind of have to, you know, really. You, you do hear things and things are said, but, you know, from a personal point of view, it didn't really affect me. You know, I, I know how a football club works and things being said and managers and chairmen are always not getting on and fans are getting on people. You know, it's just how it is and, you know, if you've not got thick skin, then you're in the wrong business. You know, there's a lot of pressure under it. And I just switched off. I did all my career. You know, I didn't really listen to what the good things were said or the bad things were said. I just tried to concentrate on what was good for me, what was good for my teammates and my manager and my club. And that was it, really. Yeah. And it was really heartbreaking when it kind of went wrong with Jack, um, kind of at the helm, wasn't it? And then he, uh, did he resign? Just after we'd got relegated, maybe. Um, yeah, it was it was tough, you know. I, you know, to play with it, he was one of the best players I've ever played with, you know. And then to play under him was a massive honour for me, really. Like, you know, he made me the captain again, and it was, you know, we just probably just we probably just let him down, you know. If you let, I think about it, not I don't think it was intentional. You know, sometimes players will not play for managers, and 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 that's an all top level to whatever level you need to go but that wasn't the case under Jack we we were definitely trying his best it just it just didn't work it just didn't seem to marry up right and you know sadly it caused his relegation relegation for us and him resigning which you know it was a tough time it, it, I didn't enjoy it at all you know I I, I took it personally that I personally let him down because he brought me back to try and revive a little bit with some players and it, and it just didn't work you know it was a shame really yeah and, and we'll we'll get to more cheery moments in a, in a moment, I promise. But um, uh, were there any? You don't have to name any names, but when you looked around that dressing room at the time, were there players that just weren't weren't really busting a gut? <laughs> uh, I would never. I couldn't speak for the players, you know. Really, I I would only, like I said before, I would only ever give everything that I got. You know, I think you'd have to speak to players themselves. Would I say that we weren't? I just think we weren't good enough. I think ultimately we might have thought we would be all right and oh, we'll be all right next game or oh, we'll be all right the next game. And it actually didn't materialise to that. And before you know it, it was too late and we was too far adrift. And it was, you know, I remember that game at Forest Green away and 
I remember playing the game and I gave a penalty away that game and that was purely so frustration and anger that we'd let people down that had put trust in us. You know, I didn't really give many penalties away in my career because I didn't really make many tackles that I needed to, but it was a case of, I remember sitting there, there was a photo of me sitting there and just thinking, this is not right. You know, it, it bothered me big time, you know, and as I say, you know, I, Possibly some players probably would go, yeah, well, I didn't try my best or whatever, but, you know, I would never put a finger on who it was because I never, to be honest with you, paid attention to what they were doing. It was just more myself, really, so. Yeah. And then you played your last few games with us under Martin Allen, didn't you? Um, uh, what, yeah, what was he like? Was character? Because he seemed a bit, he seemed a bit crackers from the outside. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think he'd have anything to say that he, about he was bonkers, you know. It was it was it was it was interesting, you know. He, his methods were come something I'd never come across before. And um, we started off like an house on fire under him, and it, for whatever reason, it just didn't. I don't I don't know what it was. I could, I, I genuinely I've looked back on it, and sometimes you try and think, well, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. I could not point a finger as to what it were. It just didn't didn't work out at all, you know. And then obviously. Well, in that second game, I think it was Aldershot. We beat Aldershot in the game. Um, and that was that really nice tackle on me in the game. And that's what started my bad knee off, technically. I'd hyperextended my knee in that game. And I played, played, played. And I just I'd slowed down. My body just slowed down because of my knee. And obviously, it went all wrong from there for me, really. So, Yeah, and, and you posted some stuff on like social media, I think it was, as, as when you were in like rehab rehabilitation after you'd retired um yeah from that injury because it was a, a a tough road back wasn't it just to be in yeah well yeah I, you know I, you know, not many people know exactly the ins and outs of what went on you know I, I spent i think it was 32 days in hospital on the drip every day taking three doses of pretty much bleach with a competitor bleach because it, i got an infection i ended up having sepsis in my knee um you know, from a routine operation on, on October, it was fine. It was going all right. And then my knee just got to Christmas and it just wasn't right. So I had to technically book an appointment myself, really, to go and see the surgeon and say, look, this is not normal. It was just after Christmas, January the 2nd, I think it was, something like that. And he said, right, I'm going to take uh, some fluid out of your knee. It, it looks a bit big and warm. And he took the fluid out of the knee. And normally it's fluid. Mine was like... I don't know how to explain, like, like silly string. And he went, and literally his face changed. My face changed, and he went, book him in. He's in, in surgery as quick as he can. And I, you can imagine I'm there with my wife, and I'm like, I don't took anything with me. It was only a consultation, and it was it was a tough time. It was really tough, yeah. I had three operations in 10 days, I think it was. I'd had, I think it was 28 staples in my knee. They actually had to open my knee up. You know, I luckily, you know, I'd, Technically, he saved, he saved me. I could have, you know, I don't think it ever got to this stage, but I could have lost my leg. You know, I nearly had a stroke. You know, it was quite bad, you know. So I tried to come back and it got to the point where I just thought, I'm, I'm wasting my time. You know, I, my knee's never going to be right. The surgeon did say to me, be very surprised if I ever run again. He said, you can do biking and stuff like that and whatnot. He said, I, I don't think you'll run because of how severe it is. Well, I comfortably do five Ks now, so I've kind of proved him wrong, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not going to... I couldn't play football again. Mm. I, I, I can kick a ball with my little boy and, and whatnot, but 
the, the stability in the knee and the movement, I dread to think if I did one wrong movement and the knee would pop out, it'd be my worst nightmare. So I don't put myself in it. Straight line running, kicking the ball, playing a bit of golf. That's as far as it goes, really. So you'll not be doing a doing a triathlon like uh, like Richie Humphries? I'd, I'd love to be able to do a triathlon. I could do... I'm not a very, I'm, I can swim, but I'm not a very good swimmer as in racy swimming. So it's something that I've actually spoke about doing. If it, As long as the run is only be 5K, mm. because that's probably all my body would manage, I could do a triathlon. I've looked into doing duathlons where you can do swimming and cycling and things. But obviously, while we're looking, then COVID hit and everything got put on the back burner. So, um, but yeah, I still train. Uh, my wife says, you train like an idiot. You know, I, I come in from the... Our garage is pretty much turned into a gym and I come in and then she's like, what's up? And it's like, no, no. She's like, what you've been doing in there? Because I'm like dripping and I'm, I'm flush. I just train to my maximum all the time. That's just, I've always been, if you're not giving 100%, then just throw the towel in. So the fact that I can train and I can walk and as like I say, do things with my kids and whatnot. And, you know, it could have been a lot worse. So I'm, I'm thankful, you know, I'm, I'm still really bitter about it. You know, I, I don't really enjoy watching football that much anymore. I like we're watching live games. I love doing. Obviously, I've been doing a few bits of commentary with the, the Spirit player. It's brilliant. I enjoy going to live games. Probably only just recently, over the last few months, started to possibly like football again because I was. Aaron Downs gave me some really good advice because he said, "Surely you've got to go into coaching. You know, you've won things. You've been successful." And I said, oh, "I'm not ready yet." And he said, "Well, he had to retire because of his knee." And he said. If I give you any advice, don't be a bitter coach. So don't try and coach lads and be bitter about you not playing no more and I could have done this and that. And I'm still at that stage, so that's why I've not gone into coaching or anything like that because I'm not ready for that next step yet. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I've spoken to a couple of players, like um, spoke to Alan O'Hare and spoke to Jamie Lowry. Um, and, and Jamie especially said that he just spent a couple of years just after retiring just saying didn't know what to do just didn't really do much for a couple yeah. of years and now he's coaching at uh at Plymouth so it's mm-hmm. it's I suppose it's one of those things with footballers is that not not many footballers probably get to retire on their own terms do they because you can either get released or you can retire through yeah. injury or things like that it's, it's yeah. it must be a nice thing when footballers do get to uh, retire in their own way with a bit of a send-off around the pitch, but it doesn't really happen to many, does no, it? No, no, I, I, we'd spoke, me and wife had spoke about it, and we'd probably said that I, I might have only done another season after the season that I had to retire anyway, really. I, I didn't want to get to that stage where I thought, oh, I'm, I'm just being played because I've been there a while, or oh, give him a few games here and there. I, I would have quite happily just called it a day, probably one more season, but, you know, the circumstances for me it was tough to deal with, you know, I then seeing my family go with my wife at time off work, driving down to Derby, because we're in Derby Hospital, driving to Derby every day. And me not knowing that she was there. I was awake, but I didn't even know she was there. I was so on so many, hooked up to so many machines and stuff. It was, I just thought, I don't need that. You know, I, I've got two young kids that don't need to come and see the dad looking like that. Um, so even when I come out of hospital and I tried to give it a go, I probably knew that I was going to retire as soon as I walked out of the hospital door, really. So, as you say, you know, I'd have loved to have retired on my own terms, but, look, it is where it is, and, you know, I, I'm coming to terms better with it now than, than I was maybe six months ago, so. Yeah. And is a, is a testimonial still going to happen at some point? Because it got a bit... Well, yeah, it's obviously, 
but what's going off at minute? It's it's all over the place. Yeah, obviously they take over as well. I've not spoke to anybody at the club since the new owners and things. I've just not felt that it was time to. They don't need me going. Well, when am I having this testimony? You know, I, it's there. You know, I, I don't think that they've took it away from me or anything. I think it will happen. It's just a case of just trying to get back to normality a little bit for people first before we decide on anything like that. Um, we've, we 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 spoke to Phil Tooley and people because obviously they helped out with Tommy Lee. I spoke to Tommy Lee and he put me in touch with people, but you know, it's, it's not the right time. You know, the, the club, you know, the club at the minute are on such a upward curve. You know, I, I wouldn't want to stick my nose in anywhere with, with asking for testimonials and stuff. So I'm sure the conversation when the time's right will come about. Yeah. But, there's nothing to be bought at the minute, really. We just come off the. We said we just put it on the back burner for now. Um, there's more important things for the club's got to deal with than yeah. giving me a testimonial. So, and and yeah, you mentioned that you've done a few commentaries since uh, in recent months, um, mm-hmm. and the, the, I think the fans have all uh, said that you've done a great job. So and it's been good hearing you on it. So is that something that you'd quite like to do a bit more of? Carry on with. Well, yeah, like I, I speak to Nick Johnson, I say, look, you know, if if it's there and you want me to come and do it, I'll do it every week, you know. Um, it's a different experience being the other side of it and commentating and, you know, I, I probably have to hold my tongue sometimes a little bit, you know, because you see things probably a little bit differently and I'm a fan, you know, and it's it's hard not to have a go at somebody when they're not doing something, but it's it's enjoyable. More I do it, I think, more I get into the flow of it, I think, a little bit. But it's really enjoyable. And, you know, I cast myself as being really fortunate to actually go and watch a live game of football. I think there's a lot of jealous people, yeah. you know, that are thinking, well, you know, so I, I'm honoured to be able to, just to be asked. And, you know, it's it's enjoyable. It is it is good. And as I say, the lads are winning. And it's, it's always enjoyable when they're winning games. I don't know if I'd enjoy commentating if they were losing, because then more negative things have to come out a little bit. So... Um, hopefully, you know, I'm, I am the lucky mascot and I don't have to commentate on a losing game this season. So you're probably one of the most decorated Chesterfield players, probably. There's not many players that, that, that leave us with two league titles and a, and a cup win as well. Um, so I wondered if there was any standout moments that would rank in your uh, kind of, you know, top few, top few memories when you were at Chesterfield. Yeah, but obviously winning... Winning, making my debut for Chesterfield on loan was one of the best things, you know. Just when you look back on it and think that I would never have thought I'd go and do what I did with Chesterfield from that first game, you know. So, you know, I was obviously playing at Saltergate. Playing the last game at Saltergate was great, you know. How it panned out the game as well was just a fitting way for it to end. Winning the leagues, you know, both league promotion, you know, that's... I think no footballer would say... I just play football just to play football. You you play to win and be the best at, at level that you're at. So to win them, play at Wembley with Chesterfield twice, obviously I say we won one and lost one. You know, but probably the, the most memorable thing or the, the best thing for me just to be made the captain. You know, it, it's a lot of responsibility on a player to be given a captaincy and players have to take you on and trust you. You know, managers clearly have to trust you, but then the fans have to take to as well because I would imagine there's been captains and some fans don't like the captain you know and then you know I, I look back on it and think I did all right and I was fortunate that I had such a good relationship with the fans and whatnot so probably out of everything even though there was success and medals and trophies being made the captain 
it probably was the biggest deal for me. You know, that's the trust that you have and the responsibility you have that comes to that is, is huge. And I was obviously massively honoured to, to have been given it and to have probably um, captained the team for so many games, being a captain as well. You know, it's out of everything, you know, that's probably one of my, my most enjoyable moments. And do you have a favourite goal? Because I was trying to find the, uh, I think you scored a goal away at Burton. Uh, yeah, I, did. I, can't, I can't find it anywhere. I can't find it anywhere. I remember about that goal because it was it was in the Johnson's pain, mm. and I think it was four four one or four two, and I think we were winning three two. That was it. And I'd not started the game, and <laughs> I was literally just inside their half, and the goalkeeper kicked it, and he kind of like shanked it across, and I got Robert Page behind me screaming at me to take a touch and take it in the corner, mm. and I just hit it first time and it went straight over the keeper and hit the bar and went in from like just inside the half and I remember thinking if I miss this I need to run as fast as I can off this pitch because Paige is going to kill me <laughs> because he was he was quite intense but I can't I can't find it anywhere now um, I scored a good goal at Darlington I think that was from a, a good distance out as well um, you probably I don't to be honest with you, I, I probably enjoyed the, the the battles more than you know like the some players that I played against that I thought oh, I'm going to be in a real good game here probably more than the goals that I scored really some of the goals that we scored as teams were brilliant the one that we scored against Leeds in the League Cup when the ball got played about 30-40 passes and I remember crossing it and and all the scored it was things that I enjoyed assisting and and things like that more than scoring goals really I said to my little boy now, he enjoys scoring goals, and you have to have another side to you as well. Though, I, you know, my dad always said to me, "It's not you might as well go and score two or three goals, but then make sure you create some goals as well." You know, type thing. So, um, so yeah, obviously, I'm I'm living my football days, and not anymore through my little boy at the minute because he's not a bad little player as well himself. So, and and yeah, that's probably a good place where we end. So I was just thinking uh, that you've got a couple of. Uh, you've got the kids that are Chesterfield fans. <laughs> so. Massive. They, they they get really upset when I say that I'm going to game to commentate. <laughs> they're like, can we not? I was like, well, no, not yet. But no, they're massive Chesterfield fans, yeah. Both got shirts still. Um, you know, they still talk about it to the friend. No, it's quite nice to listen to them talk about it as well. It's I, Everything that I did was for my family, you know. So... Um, I can say we're we're living it through my little boy at the minute because he's he's took the mantle on of the footballer in the house. So, <laughs> so if he signs for an, an academy at any point, you know, make sure it's Chesterfield. Well, he's been he's lucky. He's, he, like I say, he's not bad. He's he's been at Man City for a while. Um, it's not like a satellite, but he's he's at Sheffield United at the minute. So he's under obviously Steve Hancock, who used to be at Chesterfield as a youth team, and then obviously Jack's there as well. And so he's. I think they're keeping a, a keen eye on them at the minute. So he's at Sheffield United at the minute. He's, his first training session back tomorrow. So um, I think he's looking forward to because I'm fed up playing in the back garden with him because he's getting a lot better than <laughs> than I can deal with. So um, so yeah, it's it, it's great to see him. Even though I say that, I don't really get that much involved in it because as soon as people find out that you were a footballer and, and they tend to want to, and push him in direction, so I. I let my, my wife do the um, the football run and I do the, the gymnastics and dancing run, so... <laughs>